Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to the podcast. This is Scott, your host for Centuries and Saints. Thank you for tuning in this week. Now, I'm excited for this week because this is actually our final episode of Season 2, where we've been looking at the attributes of God. So today, we are going to do one final overview of the attributes of God that we've looked at so far this season, and I'm excited for that. So I hope this has been a blessing for you. Stay tuned, and I'll be back with you after the podcast. This morning, we are going to be doing our final teaching uh, in this series on the attributes of God that we've been doing. That's about four and a half months of just taking uh, these last 20 weeks, actually, and looking at what God says about himself uh, in his word, in the scriptures, and just taking a look at the attributes of God in the Bible that he gives us about himself so that we can know him and love him better and serve and obey him better as well. And it is my sincere prayer, uh, guys, that you who listen and have been tracking along, uh, or even if this is your first time, but that you've just been blessed uh, by this simply because, not because of me, but because we've just been looking at the nature of God and and getting to know who he is and understand uh, who he is, how he's revealed himself. And it's impossible, I think, to come away from any kind of a look at that and not be blessed and not grow in our faith. And I know for me personally, um, man, I've grown. It's been challenging. It's been convicting. It's also been comforting for me. Um, and so I, I pray that it's been the same uh, for you. We're going to jump in here because what I want to do today is this is the final teaching in this series is I want to just do an overview, a recap of what we've done for these last uh, 20 weeks, four and a half months. All right. And so, ah, man, let's just jump in. I want to start by reading a quote. I read this, I believe, a few weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when, but it says this, quote, The Bible, God's Word, tells us what God is like and what He is not like. Without the authority of the Bible, any attempt to explain God's attributes would be no better than an opinion, which by itself is often incorrect, especially in understanding God, end quote. Okay, so quick summary of that quote. To truly understand God and who he is and what he's like, rather than go on opinion or our own feelings or what we would like him to be like, we have to go to his word, how he's revealed himself to us. Uh, Looking at Matthew chapter 5, that whenever people fall into idolatry, making gods in their own image and serving false gods, those gods are basically just a stronger, sexier, uh, more intelligent version of themselves. Uh, when we want to understand the true and living God, the triune God of Scripture, we need to go to Scripture to see how He's revealed Himself. The last thing we want to do is look in the mirror and try and just figure out who God is by looking at ourselves, uh, lest we fall into the same error uh, into which Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. Well, again, saying all that, we're just going to take a look at, at what we've studied thus far uh, during this teaching and uh, just Again, as we've discovered and and uncovered uh, the nature of the triune God of the Bible, the I am, the God of Israel, the only God, there is no other. Amen. And so uh, we started off, uh, as far as the attributes of God go, by looking for three weeks um, at the holiness of God, okay? And we talked about the fact that our God is infinitely eternally holy. He is transcendent over all creation. He is completely other 
And that's one of the things that holiness means, God's otherness, that he is set apart from us, and he is just different. He's transcendent over creation. It also, of course, carries the idea of moral purity, uh, that God is perfect and beautiful. There is no evil or darkness in him in any way at all. Okay, so we took three weeks to talk about that, the holiness of God. Then the week after that, we spent one week looking at what is called, and it's a Latin word, the aseity of God, which just basically means his self-existence, okay? That God is the I am, as he revealed himself in Exodus 3 to Moses. That God does not need anyone or anything. He is 100% self-existent and self-sufficient. That he is, and this is a little bit philosophical, but God is being itself, okay? Now, we all and everything in, in, in all of creation derives its being from God. But God does not derive his being from anyone or anything else. God is being in and of itself. And that also uh, ties in with the fact that he is eternal. And we looked at that that same day as well, uh, that God is completely eternal. He always has been, always will be. He is. And everything else, including time and space, flow out from God. Uh, but he is, again, he's the I am. And that's just something that's impossible for us to really get our minds around. Uh, But man, it's true. You know, everything that we know in creation, including time and space and and everything, was created by God, the triune God of the Bible. Okay, and then after that, we spent the next three weeks talking about the fact that God is love. And ah, I love that. Uh, The book of 1 John tells us that, that God is love you know, and therefore we are to love one another. Okay. And so we looked at that wonderful truth about the Lord, our God, that man, he is love and that love is not uh, sort of this postmodern, just complete unconditional acceptance and tolerance of everything and anything uh, that our culture today talks about. Uh, But love is agape. It's that Greek word agape, uh, which is that self-sacrificial, humble love that seeks the best of the object of love. You know, which means that God truly, uh, for those of us who are saved, are his children. He is for us, and he loves us, and he truly has nothing but our best in mind. God is love. And we see that uh, in Romans chapter 8, uh, that the primary reason that God saved us in the first place, at least as it relates to this life, is our sanctification, to make us more and more like Jesus, like his son. Okay? And then... Paul goes on to say that God is working all things together for our good, okay? Or, pardon me, all things work together for our good, and then he talks about the fact that we were predestined unto sanctification, which means that everything that happens in our life, even the stuff that's very tragic and difficult, um, is allowed by God for our ultimate good, and that ultimate good is to be made more and more like Jesus, okay? And that's the level of commitment and love that God has to us, that he wants nothing but our best. And our best is to be made as much as possible uh, into the image of his son, okay? And so, man, it's, it's just amazing. God is love. It's so beautiful, such a wonderful thing. And uh, I, I just love that. It's fantastic. All right. Well, then the week after that, we took a look at the fact that God is Lord, his lordship. He is king. He is Lord, okay? There's none above him, none higher than him. God is the sovereign king and Lord of the universe over all creation, okay? Uh, No one can thwart his purposes. His plans come to pass. We see that in the scriptures, uh, you know, that no purpose of God can be thwarted. 
You know, many are the plans in the heart of man, but it is the Lord's purpose that will stand, as the book of Proverbs says. Okay, and so we talked all about that, the Hebrew word for Adonai, uh, meaning uh, it's the highest form of the Hebrew word for Lord, meaning that there is none greater, none higher. And we talked about also in that, that in the scriptures, uh, the word in the Greek in the New Testament for Lord is kurios, and that's the word to describe Jesus, kurios, Lord. Well, kurios is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew Adonai. So every time you read in your New Testament about Jesus being Lord, that's also a declaration of his deity, that he is God. Okay, and so we looked at that as well as we discussed the Lordship of God. And then we looked at God's faithfulness. We saw that one of God's attributes is that he is faithful. Okay, Uh, God keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises to all people. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, in fact, that God remains faithful even when we are faithless because he cannot deny himself. God is faithful, Uh, which also means in addition to the fact that he keeps all of his promises and does what he says, it also means, and this is great news for us, that God will never act in a way that is contrary to his nature. Okay, God never does anything, he never says anything, and he never acts in a way uh, that is contrary to his own nature. And so that's yet another reason that it's so important to study the attributes of God and to understand who he is. Uh, because when we know who he is, then we can understand the way that he works and the way that he acts, because he never does anything or says anything that is contrary to his nature, because he cannot deny himself. He's faithful. That's just who he is. Okay, And then after that, we spent the next three weeks looking at what are called the omnis of God. And omni is just the Latin word for all. And there's three of them, his omnipresence, his omniscience, and his omnipotence, which means that God is everywhere, that he comprehensively, completely, exhaustively knows all things, and that he always has, and that he is all-powerful. Okay, And you mix those three things with the fact that he's eternal, And that means that God has always known all things. I mean, he doesn't learn, okay? Which means he's always known all things. He doesn't react in the way that we do, okay? And he's all powerful. He's able to fulfill his promises to you and me. Man, such an awesome thing. And again, we looked at Psalm 139 in relation to that. Uh, Psalm chapter 139, uh, the first 16 verses there. We see those verses, and in that we see God's omnipresence, his omniscience, and his omnipotence. And David there just gives a beautiful exposition of creation and of God's faithfulness and and all these different aspects of God. And he talks about those three aspects of God in Psalm 139. So I'd encourage you guys to read that, uh, especially those first 16 verses there. And you can get a great, great picture of those three attributes of God. All right, and then we went on after that, and we looked at the wrath of God. Now, we made an important distinction here when we discussed the wrath of God, that God's wrath is not one of his intrinsic eternal attributes, uh, like, you know, the fact that God is holy, God is love, God is righteous, God is faithful and just, but we never read in the scriptures that says God is wrath. That's not in the Bible. God has wrath, but we made a distinction Uh, That God's wrath, again, it's not one of his eternal intrinsic attributes. Rather, it is his response to sin 
that he has because of his intrinsic attributes of love and holiness and righteousness and justice. So sin is something that is outside of God. Okay, that's not obviously a part of who God is at all. God is holy and good. There's no evil, darkness, or sin in him at all. But sin does exist. And so God's wrath is his holy response because of his nature and who he is to something outside of himself, which is sin. Okay, and so that's an important distinction to make. All right. So we we looked at that for two weeks, the wrath of God, and how even that is a beautiful thing. Because God, again, he never acts or does anything contrary to his nature. So he responds to sin in accordance with his nature, with who he is, as we just talked about. And that's what his wrath is. And that's why, for example, uh, you know, we talked about how a lot of times in the modern church today, uh, there's little to no reference ever of the wrath or the judgment of God. Uh, But that's not being faithful to scripture. Uh, That's not being faithful to scripture at all. Um, Because, you know, God's wrath has to exist, you know, because of who God is. He's holy. He's righteous. He is love. Okay. Wrath is an inseparable part of the love of God. Okay, we wouldn't want to live in a universe where God didn't punish injustice and iniquity and wickedness. Now, thankfully for those of us who are saved, he punished all those things in himself on the cross. He took that for us. Okay, and all who repent and come to him in faith are born again. And man, their sins are forgiven because of that. But for those who don't repent, sin will be punished. Okay, on the day of judgment. And, and so that we see the wrath of God being a necessary part of, of who he is and what he does. Okay. So again, because of who God is, there has to be wrath against sin and evil and everything that is opposite of who he is. And we're thankful for that. And then after that, we took a look at the fact that first John says God is light. Okay. Which speaks both to his holiness. Uh, we know from scripture, I off the top of my head, I think it's first Timothy where Paul says that God dwells in unapproachable light. So it has to do with his holiness and his majesty. And it also has to do with the fact that he has not left us in the dark, but he has revealed himself to us. He's given us his spirit, the light of his word. Uh, He incarnated and became one of us. God became a man, Jesus. Um, He has revealed himself to us. We also saw that God is incomparable, meaning that he has no equal in any way at all. He is the sovereign king of all creation. Uh, the triune God is the one who made all things. There's none like him. And then we saw how he is inscrutable, unfathomable, and beyond finding out. You know, he's just beyond us. And that, again, has to do with his holiness and his majesty. And that God, God is just so far beyond us. We couldn't know God. We couldn't even really know much about God uh, unless he'd revealed himself to us. Now, he's revealed himself, as Romans 1 says, in creation, in nature, and we can know a little bit about him that way. But the rest we know about him because of his word, how he's revealed himself to us in the incarnation and in the scriptures. And if God had not revealed himself to us in those ways, we couldn't know anything about him. He's just so far infinitely beyond and above us. As he says in Isaiah, that his ways are not our ways. Okay, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, that as the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways high above ours. Okay, and there's just none that can compare to God. All right, and then coming up towards the end, two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God is just. 
Okay, he only acts in perfect justice, and that nobody ever has or ever will, you know, received injustice at God's hand. And we talked about God's justice uh, from two perspectives. On the one hand, uh, he is just in his judgments, which means on the day of judgment, uh, he will judge all people by Jesus Christ, by his son, as Peter says, and that everyone will receive exactly what they're due. For those of us who are in Christ, who are born again, we will receive what Jesus deserves, which is eternal life and fellowship with the Father for all eternity. We've been forgiven of our sins uh, because God himself uh, became a man and took those upon himself for us. And for the wicked, for the unrepentant, for the, the unregenerate, they will also receive exactly what they're due for their sin, uh, which is condemnation, because they're under the wrath of God, as John the Baptist said in John chapter 3. And then we also looked at God's justice from the other side of the coin, which is the fact that God has a deep, deep heart and passion for justice here on this earth, for shalom, for justice, uh, for things to be right and fair and equitable in the sense that he tells his people, especially all throughout the Old Testament and also in the book of James in the New Testament, you know, that the rich are not to oppress the poor, uh, that his people are to vindicate and uplift and help the fatherless, the widows, the orphans, those who don't have a voice, those who are oppressed. Sort of the term that we use for all of that stuff is social justice. And while social justice certainly uh, is not the entirety of the gospel and is not the ultimate entire mission of the church by no means, um, it is part of the mission of the church and it is part of living out the gospel. Okay, and I just pray that we don't lose that, you know. Uh, But we see that social justice, all of those things, <clears throat> you know, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, those are very, very dear to the heart of God. Just read Matthew 25, read the book of James, read basically the entire Old Testament where God rebukes his people over and over again uh, because they're not doing those things. Even in Isaiah 58, we read uh, during that teaching, you know, where God basically says, I hate your fasting and your sacrifices. I loathe this stuff. <clears throat> he said, because you're oppressing the poor, you're not helping uh, the disenfranchised, you're not being just. And so we see the heart of justice in God. And then last week, uh, we finished up our look at the attributes of God by looking at the fact that God is sovereign. Uh, we talked about that aberrant system of theology known as open theism and how that's not biblical and, and remakes God in an unbiblical way. And we know that God is sovereign and that, again, his purpose has come to pass, and no plan or purpose of his can be thwarted, okay? And that God rules over all creation. Now, obviously, there are more attributes of God in the scriptures, uh, and we could spend a lifetime talking about the attributes of God. And honestly, that study would and will take all of eternity to explore. And I look forward to uh, that day when we're home with the Lord, and we can just continue to get to know him Uh, more and more as the ages of eternity roll on. And since he's infinite and eternal, we'll never exhaust uh, the depths of who he is. And that will be fantastic. Uh, We're going to tie a ribbon on this and then call it good. You know, we're just going to, we're going to stop there. Uh, So again, just in review, we looked at the fact that God is holy, eternal, and self-existent. He is love. He is Lord. He's faithful. He is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He is light. He's incomparable. He's beyond finding out. He is the just one. He is sovereign. And he responds in his holiness uh, with wrath against sin and evil and injustice. A somewhat, well, not comprehensive, I don't think, but 
um, at least a good start. Uh, a look at the attributes of God over these last 20 weeks. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed uh, getting to study and teach these things, and, and I've really uh, just pray that you guys have been blessed as well by this. Uh, just getting to know the Lord and, and understand His nature and who He is, hopefully at a somewhat deeper level, you know, and just really digging into the Scriptures. For a more full and uh, complete look at this, especially at the holiness of God, uh, which is something that's very, very foundational, um, I would recommend to you guys Dr. R.C. Sproul, uh, his teaching series called The Holiness of God. You can go online, just Google it. Uh, you can find it on his ministry's website, which is Ligonier Ministries. You can I'm sure you can find it just on YouTube as well. Uh, it's R.C. Sproul, The Holiness of God. It's a six-part teaching series. I'd recommend it. It's a great teaching series, just getting down to the foundations of what holiness is and what that means that God is holy. Um, also, I would recommend you guys Dr. Stephen Lawson. He has a series called The Attributes of God. I think it's like a 16-part series. Um, you can find that on the Ligonier Ministries website. You have to pay, but it's well worth it. Um, or you can also go on YouTube and just search in Stephen Lawson, Attributes of God, and there are some teachings that he did at a church in London. Um, it's like a nine-part video series, I think, and it's really good as well, just to get maybe more in-depth into some of this stuff, you know, and so I recommend that to you guys as well. And may the Lord richly bless you guys today. I'm just going to finish out this teaching as we've looked at the Attributes of God, uh, just reading Paul's words at the end of Romans 11, Romans 11, 33 through 36, and this kind of encapsulates the whole thing. And Paul says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again for from him and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Well, once again, thank you for tuning in today for Centuries and Saints. It has been a pleasure to present this season, season two of the podcast to all of you, looking at the attributes of God. And I hope that this season has helped you to better understand this God that we serve and how his word reveals his attributes to us. Now, as always, I would ask that you'd go to the iTunes store, rate us, leave us a review. It really helps get the word out. Also, the podcast is available on Spotify and through the Stitcher platform as well. So please help us spread the word on social media. Tell your friends, your family. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned because we're going to be back for season three in probably a month or so. I'm working on getting those episodes put together now, and we're going to be shifting focus back to church history looking at the Middle Ages and the medieval church leading up to the Reformation. So I'm really excited about this. So stay tuned. God bless you. And I will talk to you when we start season three. For Centuries and Saints, this is Scott Matthews. The scenes are your friends.